Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Erin Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And, and it's time to party! We are not doctors, we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> this episode was recorded on April 3rd, 2021. <laughs> we got this. It's a science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're wondering why we're air banjoing instead of air guitaring, it's because we're talking about Back to the Future Part 3. Listen to either of the episodes before this, you know we really like this movie. We it's do. really good. It's a very good movie. And in this episode, our edutainment episode, where we're taking shallow dive down a lazy river of edutainment. Yes. Don't expect a deep dive. You can tell by the length of the episode that's not what's going to be happening. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> join us on this. On this floaty ride down the time Ooh. stream. Oh, God. I uh, can't believe I didn't make that joke sooner in the season. I can't believe you did. Honestly, same. I'm, I would say I'm impressed at your restraint, but I know it's that you didn't think of it until now. So I don't know that I actually can't say that. Two things. Man, I mean, like, bef- yeah, it, it could be both. Both true. <laughs> but I mean... Here we are at this last episode of our Back to the Future Part 3 run, but it's also our last episode of the season. It is our last episode of the season. Man, it has been a wild ride through time. (laughs) 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 That'll be funnier once we get into the uh, edutainment properly (laughs) also. Speaking of uh, wild rides. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, a great segue. As uh, over a whole season, we've gotten great. <laughs> We're terrible at segues. It's okay. <laughs> we understand. They're hard to ride. Yeah. What can we say? And exactly. Then... <laughs> ben, what will you be talking about in this, our final edutainment of season one of Time to Party? Well, Aaron, as we've talked about, multiple times already through these episodes on back to the future uh we love this movie and i don't think it's surprising that for edutainment i would pick something that would allow us to enter the world of back to the future that's why i will be talking about the universal studios ride back to the future the ride yay r.i.p it's so fun it was so fun. I loved it. I went to Universal a couple times as a kid and just absolutely adored this ride. It was so much fun. Yes, the the immersive environment uh, that was the Time Institute. Um, or, sorry, the Institute of Future Technology is what it's properly known as. Um, Doc Brown, uh, in story... Uh, founded this institute in 1991 in the present day in order to work on his futuristic inventions after the events of Back to the Future Part 3. So I don't know if Clara and Jules and Vern were just like, Emmett, this this stuff is all over the house. Like, you need somewhere somewhere to do this. Dad, come on. (laughs) Like, come on. (laughs) Clara's like, I'm a simple woman, and I don't ask a lot, but you gotta take this shit to the garage. (laughs) Garage before! Speaking of the garage, (laughs) speaking of his garage, like, how is it that he managed to sell all of his property to Burger King and just 
kept the garage in that parking lot. Like, listen, that's what <laughs> happens when you have land that your family has owned for a really long time and you don't want to sell it. And they're like, here's what we'll do. We'll give you a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> to to sell as part of it. Oh, that's what actually that's the real answer. Uh huh. Oh, topical. <laughs> you know when uh, people come to the country through like mm, Nazi relocation programs and they get a bunch of free land. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Back to the Future: The Ride first opened in Universal Studios Florida in May of 1991. Uh, initially. The Universal Studios Hollywood version was supposed to open at the same time, but there were some issues with the land and the way that the ride was laid out. Um, because in, in one version, uh, you had the theaters for the experience like next to each other. But since the layout of Hollywood didn't allow for that, they had to do them back to back and they would split off. Uh, into separate theaters uh, from the ride queue. So that means that the Hollywood version ended up opening a little bit later uh, in June 12th, uh, on June 12th, 1993. So the story of this ride is that Biff Tannen steals a DeLorean Institute and goes gallivanting around through time into the Cretaceous period. Yes, he did mean the Cretaceous period. If you add us, be fun about it. Don't be a dick. Where we come in contact with a dinosaur and the the object is to bump his DeLorean with our DeLorean, which seats eight people, uh, to send him back to the present. Um, when you start looking too deep into the story, sure, it doesn't really make sense, but it's still a lot of fun. That's okay. It's a ride. Yeah. Rides don't have to be super complicated or steeped in lore. That's fine. I'll accept exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, right. I forgot to mention. Um, Back to the Future, the ride also existed at Universal Studios Japan. Um, it opened there in March of 2001. Oh, uh, wow. Yes. Uh, and that was the last one standing. Uh, out of all of them, uh, it stuck around the longest. Well, I mean, its run at the park wasn't that long, but it was the last one remaining after... Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But after the Simpsons took over. Uh, but I'll I'll get there. Um, so, this ride was developed out of a conversation between friends Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Uh, Spielberg, uh, was talking to Lucas because Lucas was about to launch Star Tours at Disneyland. And he said to Spielberg, yeah, Universal could never do something like that. They could, they would never do a Star Tours. So Spielberg was like, oh, really? So they started Petty developing. Bet. That's hilarious. <laughs> right? Can't so they started well alone, boys. <laughs> these two dummies (laughs) Uh, but yeah so we have Star Wars and Star Tours to thank for Back to the Future the ride Uh, initially the concept uh, for the Back to the Future ride was a roller coaster um, to 
to go through the story, but then they realized that it would be moving too fast to really register what was going on. So that's when the concept of the simulation uh, really took off. Because that's how the uh, the Aerosmith ride works. Like the because it's a roller coaster, you get like the whole story before and after the actual ride. Because there's like exactly. almost no way to really register when you're moving that quickly. Right. So a lot of those work where they like well, and like you get like how what three hours in the queuing area to enjoy all of the the, the story and story. Um, yeah props and crap it's true yeah totally oh man speaking of the of the queue for back to the future the ride it was so immersive and ahead of its time it was really a precursor to immersive queue experiences that we ended up getting in say the indiana jones adventure or uh the guardians of the galaxy mission breakout with these really involved queues and there are in in all the incarnations of the ride um, in Japan and Hollywood and in Florida, there were various props all over that queue. Uh, but one of the things that made me want to talk about it is because the train from Back to the Future Part 3 was on display uh, outside of the Florida one for a long time. Uh, so you can see the actual i didn't know that that was the real train yeah <laughs> i've definitely seen that and did not know <laughs> yep uh cool. that train and one of the deloreans that they used was at florida um unfortunately no idea where that train is now because <laughs> after the ride closed they they took it out it's 100 percent um, scrap there's no way it's not if they don't know where it is it's not around anymore it's in pieces yeah i mean there's sucks. a small possibility that it's in a warehouse somewhere but like yeah waiting to be part of a museum exhibit or something yeah, yeah it belongs in a museum <laughs> just like that uh that delorean that they restored in that documentary um back in time i believe um they wanted to prepare they wanted to re uh revive one of the original screen used DeLoreans. If I'm not mistaken, it might have even been the DeLorean that was outside of Back to the Future the ride that they restored and tracked down. Hmm. Um I'll have to look more into that. Don't don't quote me. Or I'll just watch the movie again, because it's fucking everywhere. <laughs> that that documentary is on like Hulu, on Prime, it came with the uh the the Blu-ray and DVD sets. It's fucking everywhere. You should watch it. It's great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Back to the Future, the ride, uh, included some really... Out of time. It's called Out of Time, because of course... Out of Time. There it is. That makes sense. Uh, Back to the Future, the ride in included some really interesting technology for a ride, you know, because I, I need to preface this by telling you that I got this information directly from Thomas F. Wilson, um... When Aaron and I first did a podcast together about Back to the Future, I played a clip from my interview from Wizard World Chicago with Tom Wilson because he and I were talking about the Back to the Future ride and how much we love it. And one of the things that he loves about it is the technological details that went into filming this footage. So the footage was meant to be projected on a dome. An IMAX dome. 
Oh, right? Cool. Because that's how it's presented in, in the ride theater. But mm-hmm. back then they didn't really like have the the IMAX cameras that they have now. So in the model of Hill Valley that they built to shoot all of this stuff in, everything had to be curved. Like they had to meticulously think of the the equations to to make it curved so that it looks like a straight line. Ugh. It's bananas. That's, that's wild. That's I know. Really cool. Yeah. Um, the um, the director uh, Douglas Trumbull like had to make sure that all this stuff would appear right once it was projected. So the the fact that they had to do all of this stuff was just mind-blowing. Wow. And, and another fun fact about the script, it was written by Bob Gale, of course, but with Peyton Reed, who would go on to direct Ant-Man and bring it on. So having his involvement in this is was uh, was really interesting, I thought. So, naturally, uh, this this ride was loved by many, many, many people. Uh, you know, beyond Aaron and I, like, just fucking love this ride. So great. Um, however, uh, in Florida, it closed on March 30th, 2007. In Hollywood, it closed on September 3rd, 2007. And in Japan, it closed on May thirty first, May thirty first, two thousand sixteen. Uh, in America, it was replaced by the Simpsons ride, which has an homage to the original ride that was there before them, because you can see Krusty the Clown buying the land and Doc Brown handing him the deed, uh, as they're nice. demolishing the the institute. That's nice. I'm glad Professor, they included that. I've yeah. never been on the Simpsons ride. I just, on principle, I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck that. I'm not writing it. it. <laughs> like, I needed to know what they thought would be a suitable replacement for Back to the Future. So I had to I had to ride it. Um, and it did not live up to the, to the high Ooh. bar set by Back to the Future, you know? No. How could it? it yeah, yeah exactly. You know, um... <sighs> And then in Japan, it was replaced by Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem. (laughs) So, I know. It's a shame. Um, shame. But, a little piece... I mean, I'm sure there are a ton of little pieces that will remain from Back to the Future. But, the last time I was in uh, Universal Studios Florida, I went to Back to the Future of the Ride and or well the former location of Back to the Future of the Ride and I saw one of those face characters of Doc Brown you know and I got a picture with him and stuff and one of the things I said to him was like hey Doc you know I I missed the Institute but I also missed your fried chicken because there was a fried chicken stand that was branded Doc Brown's fried chicken near the ride and the chicken was really good uh, so I told him that I missed it. And he's just like, well, I passed on the recipe to Cletus, who owns the restaurant now, if you still want some of that chicken. I mean, that and I'm sense. like, great! 
So nice. I bet that that character actor hears that all the time too. One hundred percent. I'm ready with this fact that it's the same. Yeah, but like that's another part that I love about theme park workers i guess you know if you if they're immersed in the experience then the mm-hmm. guests are immersed in the experience and it makes it better for everybody yeah it, in the same trip i went to the wizarding world of harry potter i think that was the first time i went to the wizarding world and uh i asked one of the workers at one of the shops in in hogsmeade i was like hey do you have any slytherin merchandise and they said oh you can find all the the dark wizard and the dark art stuff over there and i'm just like Excuse me. Not all Slytherins are evil. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure that cast member was like, get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, like, that's the type of cast member that doesn't need to be working there. Yeah. You know, like, that's part of, like, what makes these experiences so good. I'm surprised is... that that flew at Wizarding World. I know, right? But, oh, well. Uh, <laughs> one last thing about Back to the Future of the Ride. When they debuted the ride, there was a uh, promotional raffle uh, where the winner would win a DeLorean. Uh, The two contestants that won decided to take the prize money instead of the car. And I'm like used to shit on DeLoreans. Like, it was, like, known as a bad car. That's part of the reason they picked it to use it in the movie mm-hmm. is because it. they were like, okay, well, we want something that's, like, visually very striking, but that when it rolls up, it's, like, a joke that yeah. you would build a time machine into mm-hmm. it. It's a junker, yeah. Is, it's wild that, like, I don't think people would feel that way even just about the design of it now just because it, it was just weird looking. But like now it's like an acceptable weird looking, like a cool weird looking. Sure. But also, this was because doors of this really movie. popular. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But Wind also doors these are cool were... because of back. Because of this movie. Yeah, that's totally. true. Uh, but the DeLoreans that were being given away were made to look like the time machine. So like, oh, why would you want that. pass up on that? Although, uh, maybe to their credit, it sort of depends on where you live. Because if you live in an area where it might get vandalized because yeah. it's like a novelty car, like I can understand being like, all right, well, it's worth it to me to just have this money as opposed to having to continue to pay money to get this car repaired. Like That's that fair. I can understand. Not having a garage, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're going to park your car out on the street, I would not want to, I wouldn't want that. But like, yeah, with a garage, like in a Midwestern city somewhere, I feel like it would be easier to accept <laughs> a prize like that maybe. Unless you're in a Midwestern city that would like talk a bunch of shit about you also. Maybe some they were from Iowa and they were like, oh, no, no, can't. We can't bring that back. That's all anyone will talk to us about forever. Yeah. Oh, you're the guy with the DeLorean. Yes. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I have other hobbies, Bob. <laughs> Bob, I'm your accountant also. Right. Also, <laughs> we have some problems with your receipts. <laughs> they don't make Death Maybe Star cars. Be- so this is what right? I got. Yeah. Maybe you should oh. be more focused about your records. <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars, you know, with, without Star Wars, there would be no Back to the Future of the Ride. But without Back to the Future of the Ride, I don't think we would have gotten the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run that is now extremely popular at Batu. So I've you heard know, that it's really symbiotic. fun. I haven't been. I, I haven't been, but it looks so good. <laughs> I haven't I been there. either, but I, I did watch a were... video. <laughs> 
when they were doing construction on that site, I was mm. there, so I got to like peek over the fence and be like, it's all the Star Wars stuff, Ooh, but I didn't nice. actually get to do any of it. <laughs> so yeah. uh, while we're talking about junk that's near the rides, uh, are you guys aware that the X-Wing that's in Batu in uh, California is a screen-used X-Wing now? Is it? I did not yeah. know that. So uh, I guess it, when they were shooting for uh, Mandalorian, the X-Wing prop in the wrong place or not done or something. And so they shot all of the X-Wing cockpits in that X-Wing just because it was ready. It was there. Wait, so cool. Appa from uh, Kim's Convenience was... That's was Appa's the X-Wing? X-Wing. Uh-huh. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. That's yep. cool. So they like took the one from the from the theme park that was like ready to go out and they like took out the insides and put it on a gimbal, uh, and yeah, that's cool. It's it's, that's it's, really it's cool. that X wing. That also speaks to the the level of detail that they put into the stuff that is displayed out front. Oh that, yeah. yeah, like they know that that the people are looking for that kind of detail in it, and like why not have a screen ready prop that you can like multi purpose use? Like that's yep. just smart business. Disney don't play, yeah. That's Disney true. don't play. <laughs> They're like, we'll spend a billion dollars, but we better get eight billion dollars back for our investment. Right. Like, you know what? You will. You're mm-hmm. right. I Can mean, I buy look a at lightsaber the... next to it? Then yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at all the, the props that they have just sitting in uh, the collector's collection at the former Tower of Terror. Like, there are so mm-hmm. many, like, props and stuff just in that warehouse from Disney Parks, from... Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, one of the props is like uh, the old Yeti from uh, the Matterhorn. Oh, from the Matterhorn. Oh, yeah, hmm, that's cool. The, I, I watched another uh, video recently about like hidden secrets in these rides. <laughs> All right, this is cool. Yesterworld and freaking um, Defunct Land was just my jam for the past. M- couple months. <laughs> yeah, Defunct Land rules. So, Aaron, what's your edutainment today? <laughs> Mine is uncharacteristically short. I did Ooh. not do a, a ton. Of, we kind of like switch places for this, this the last episode of season one. Uh, I did this one because there was a moment where something happened and I was like, that's impossible. And I want to explain why. <laughs> so at the very end of the movie, when Clara is chasing after the train and going after uh, Marty and Doc... She starts the ride with her hair up and her hat flies off. And then the next time you see her, her hair is down and long and flowing behind her. And that's impossible. It is absolutely (laughs) impossible for that to have happened. There is no way she took her hair down while she was cantering on a horse. Absolutely impossible. (laughs) So I'm going to talk a little bit about women's hairstyles and why they were done that way. And when they stopped being done that way. So it's not a super involved uh, edutainment this week for me but I, it just bothered me so much <laughs> I was like there is no way there's a, ha, as a person who has had to put their hair up into an updo on multiple occasions and had to wear wigs that have been done up in updos like it is not easy to take that there are dozens of pins in your hair in order to get it to stay like that so at the time that this is set 1885 women just let their hair grow. Like you basically never cut it because the idea was that it was supposed to reflect that you were healthy and vital and you had like 
good internal fluids or whatever weird bullshit <laughs> Victorians believed in at the time. Good babying. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, oh, you can make a good baby in that womb. I can tell by the sheen of your hair. Like, that's not how any of this works. I mean, sort of. It means they probably have, like, vitamins and shit. <laughs> so in that sense, it is, like, an indicator of, like, luxury and wealth that you can have, like, well-cared-for, long-brushed hair. And so the idea is that, like, basically any woman of any kind of means grew her hair out as long as possible and then you would do it up until what's called a plate where you like do a long braid and then you like wrap it around you like stick a bunch of pins in it and then alternately to that you can do like curls and wraps where you like curl the long hair and then like pull it up and under and into like an updo but that you spend your morning doing that those dues don't happen super quickly even when you're like trained in how to do them like they're involved and they take time because you have a lot of hair like also hair is heavy and hair is like gross in lots of ways especially if you're like i don't know living in the old west your hair's probably not in super great condition so wearing it up like this is also a protective way to wear your hair and so the idea that she would be chasing after this man on a horse and be like whoa time to rip all these pins out of my hair i was just like i can't this is my moment this is the moment for me where i've broken the fourth wall and i just cannot deal with the fact that there's no way this woman would be able to do this so i started thinking about all right well this is the victorian era of doing hair it's been like this basically since like the french revolution when people just wore wig caps and giant ass wigs on their heads which was also cool but also like not great for your hair so I want, I wanted to know, I kind of had an idea, but I wanted to know for sure, like, when did this end? So Victorian hairstyles went until like 1902, 1903. And then they finally started to like move away from really involved updos. They started to become a little looser. They weren't like pinned up in quite the same kind of like uh, intricacies. A lot of it went up into like a bonnet and that like a, like a half ponytail into a large bonnet with like ringlet curls underneath of it. And so the idea was less like, up out of your face and protected it was more like i want to display the fact that i have the wealth to care for this kind of hair and then in the 1920s with the flappers that's when women were like you know what i'm done with this bullshit and that's when women started cutting all of their hair off and so women went from having hair like down to their waist that they wore in these like really elaborate protective updos to like straight up bob haircuts which is like weird to think about how shocking that would be and like I've watched a lot of old movies where people are like, oh, those flappers, they're so dangerous and crazy and out there. And it's like, what, why, why would you feel that way? But then to know, like, you can immediately tell this woman was a flapper. You can immediately tell that this woman has divorced herself from the conventionality of this custom because you can see the bottom of her hair. Like, it's just, that's it. This is the only hair that she has. And so after that, it starts to become in these like more involved ironically these more involved like shorter hairstyles and it's not until the 70s that women started to wear their hair like actually relaxed and natural and since then it's like all all bets are off you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want with your hair but also the thing that was very popular in the 80s and early 90s for women was getting your hair done in a permanent sort of for the same reason it was like a protective hairstyle it was just done all the time it kind of indicates at least some level of wealth that you can afford to get your hair done in a permanent also also, this is like really specific to white women's hair. And I'm like, I want to acknowledge that for sure. Because it definitely is. But I was like really interested in the way that 
women's hair has progressed throughout time. And I just thought this was an interesting opportunity to learn about that because I was just so singularly infuriated by the fact that she took her hair down while she was riding a horse, which again is impossible. And you would not have been able to do. I did appreciate that her hat fell off. So it wasn't like she was unpinning her hat and then also taking her hair down. Like girl, not worth it. Also you're climbing Priority. on a train. Keep your hair up. Why wouldn't you want it out of your face? Yeah. And not Whatever. caught in the machinery and stuff, too. Right, exactly. She's, like, hanging down at the end. Like, this wouldn't have been as scary of a problem if you had left your hair up. And it would have stayed in place. Uh, I did a quick Google while you were talking. Uh, any guesses the year that the bobby pin was introduced? Mm. Was it before the 20s or after the 20s? Before the 20s. 1820? 1899. Holy oh, okay. shit. That's, I was kind of thinking closer to the end, and I was like, ah, oh, no, this, I feel like it's a trick. <laughs> I mean, apparently hairpins, straight hairpins, yeah. go all the way back to, like, Assyria. So, like... Yeah, that's, that's what that's Victorian women thing. used. But, yeah, the, yeah, the that... like, U-bend with the little kinkies, mm -hmm. that was new. Mm -hmm. The little yeah. kinkies. The little kinkies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stick them in your hair. <laughs> They're all into, into different stuff, and uh, that's okay. <laughs> We love them all the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all valid. <laughs> Gives them something to hold on to. Uh, so Ansel, is this the part where you're going to talk about uh, your experience with the band in uh, Back to the Future Part 3? How did they make the the guitars spin? Your, your bandmates. You asshole. You're just making a horrible ZZ Top joke. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, for those of you at home, I have a beard. <laughs> it is a majestic beard. beard. <laughs> yeah, I would not say it's a ZZ Top beard. No, no. no. I have tried. <laughs> I have given it a go to like, okay, let's see how long this beard gets. It stops. It just stops at a point. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is great. You know, that's a good problem mm -hmm. to have. I mean, that's what happens with hair on your head, too. It can really only grow so long, and mm -hmm. eventually it just stops, so. Yeah, because, you know, you you it's deciduous, right? The longer ones mm -hmm. go at a certain period, and so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Respect to folks who have the ZZ Top beards, but uh, I am not among you. It's a lot of maintenance. It's, that's a lifestyle. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mad respect. Mad respect. Having yeah, that... having a well tended beard is a sign of uh, of extreme patience. Oh yes, uh, absolutely. Because the the number of guys who like get to this like stubbly period and just can't anymore, mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a huge number there that get eliminated because they just can't handle the stubbly period, which isn't mm -hmm. that bad. Uh, and then to get to a point where it's long enough that it's a beard and not like a stubble mm -hmm. gradient uh, and then to tend it is like it's an enormous pain in the butt. So respect mm -hmm. to uh, absolutely and beard to do owners. It, like yeah. ZZ Top to do it for oh, like man. decades. God, like a really long time. <laughs> That's and, a commitment. It's a, again, it a whole looks lifestyle. The same every yeah. time. That's absolutely. not easy. No, not at all. Yeah, that's why I don't have a beard. That's, <laughs> that's why. the only reason. That's the reason. Mm -hmm. yep. Same. Ben. I'm impatient. Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, friends, right. th it looks like this is the end of the line. This is, it looks like we're out of time. Oh, season one. Oh, oh look who did the time pun. <laughs> it took the whole season. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, wait, hold on, Ansel. I think I'm having some technical difficulties. This my my notebook. It, it's blank. <laughs> oh, do, do, do you know what that means? I, I I think it means we're I think it means we're we're finished, or that we went back in time and changed it. I think it means that our future hasn't been written yet. Oh. You know, like no one's has, I'm, and the future lighter at the computer. It's what you make it. It is a great line. Honestly, like, what a great message. And, like, I, I totally understand why I love this movie so much as these movies so much as a kid. Because, like, they, they're PG. And they really do speak to, like, appreciate your higher truth. Your future yep. is whatever you want it to be. It's, like, a really empowering message, especially to young people. So Absolutely. That message so is, good. you know, to bring it full circle again, uh, it, it's a message of hope. Yeah. You know, we we talked about hope in one of our first recording sessions uh, with Meet the Robinsons, right? Yeah. So it's it's fitting to end with this hopeful tale of Back to the Future, uh, because even though we see the light at the end of the tunnel, we're still in the thick of uh, of a pandemic right now. Mm-hmm. While we're while we're recording while this, we're recording yeah. this. Uh, Meet the Robinsons, but, which you'll get to hear the the uh, questionable audio after the yeah. new year. That'll be a bonus episode after the new yeah, year. Yeah, that bonus episode is coming. Yes. You're to, welcome, and we're sorry. You'll, you'll get to hear just how good I am at removing airplane noise from recording. And dogs. And dogs. <laughs> and dogs. Yeah. And wind. You know. A lot of that. We, we were outside. It was... The beginning of the pandemic we we made a lot of questionable choices it was yeah. worth a shot worth it was a shot. worth a shot and here we are at the end of the season recording our last episode and now here you all are at the end of the season listening to our last episode we hope you enjoyed it we this is really do. fun yes we had a ton of fun doing this if you enjoyed taking this journey through time with us let us know yeah tweet us like send us a Send us a Western Union letter. Leave a review. <laughs> you know, this is a podcast. You can leave a review and say something nice. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be great. Uh, send a uh, a letter via courier through time that mm-hmm. just sits in the Western Union location for years. Absolutely. Uh, I look not photographs to of our graves, please. We're no, we're we're good for that. We don't. We don't, don't need yeah, to I know that. I don't need to know that. That's fine. I don't Especially want to be, like fired from the future notes either i'm fine with that yeah especially if i die over 80 dollars like of all the things Mm. i mean it's happened to a lot of people (laughs) yeah right for less money for lots less money and you know what a lot more money too that's very true money's bad (laughs) money's bad that's what we've learned that's what we learned people money's bad time travel is one thing from this series money's bad time isn't real and money is bad (laughs) oh man time is not real so, huh. so while we get back to that unrealness of time, uh, you can find us on the internet still. Yeah, you uh, can. You can find me on Instagram at NYDUrgency. On Instagram and Twitter, I'm at BSilverio20. You can find me on Twitter at Indecisionist and on Instagram at the Indecisionist. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longit of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. This has been an Indecisionist production. You can also interact with us. Tell us how much you like the show. Suggest other time travel media you'd maybe like to hear or other 
not necessarily movie time travel either that you'd like to hear us interact with. Should we come back for a season two? We're probably coming back for a season two, but you know. Tell us so let that we, let you us know. know. Yeah, exactly. And you can do that using the hashtag time to party. That's time. The number two party. As Doc Brown said, your future is what you make it, so make it a good one. And to help you do that, you should be excellent to each other. You should party on dudes. Bye, everybody. See ya.